and so thank you guys for continuing uh, we usually hit like a bit of a lull and then things pick up again people are still coming back from travels uh, it, it's just the nature of uh, the first week of January okay so we're going on um, if you haven't you know if you haven't processed or registered it yet you know choice is a big deal free will right um, we're 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 not truly made in the nature of God or God can't say we've been made in his nature if we don't have free will right otherwise we're just robots we're manufactured right it'd be like us creating a computer chip or, or a computer program and and you know features like a child and then programming it to say what it wants it's, it's not real love as long as there's no choice it's not truly love it's manufactured it's it's it's, it's forced okay so there has to be a choice there has to be a free will um, and so uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice rejoice even when things are difficult even when things are hard and that's what I'm trying to explain to you guys about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life about Adam and Eve. They had a choice. God gave them a choice. And for every day they chose not to eat of this fruit, they were choosing God. They were in pure relationship. They were loving God. And so that's why I was saying to you today, because of Christ, Christ is, is the new tree of life. He died on the cross, you know, the tree, right? And if we wake up every morning, you know, and I, and I gave this example like every day we wake up, it's like waking up in the Garden of Eden. Every day we wake up, we have a choice as believers, even though we're saved eternally. And today we can choose to believe that God is for us in spite of and even in difficult circumstances, right? That's, that's usually the challenge. When everything's going well, yeah, of course God is for us. But in uncertainty, in, in question marks, in, in difficult times, those are the times where we get tested in our faith. Is God really for us? Is God, are you really there? Do you care? Well, in that moment, in that very moment, you have a choice. It's very simple. Every morning you wake up, right, you have a choice. Am I going to serve God? Am I going to believe Him? Am I going to follow His word? Am I going to be, you know, uh, rely on Him and, and do things according to His will? Or, or, for whatever reason, because I don't trust Him, it, it, we would never say that, right, but deep down in our subconscious, or because he's, he's, I feel distant, or because maybe, you know, He, he gives me some... You know, he he's not really, doesn't really care what I do. Then we take matters into our own hands. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament, you know, uh, 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 individuals who, who uh, 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 are walking with God, even Abraham, right? And even, even you would think with Abraham and, 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 and hearing God's voice and being led by him and all that, that he wouldn't doubt. But there were lot, large swaths of time and periods where, where you know, he didn't hear Right? All he got was the last promise. And years and years and decades had gone by. And then over a period of time, oh, maybe God forgot. And so then he takes matters into his own hands. And So there's a choice. So even this morning, you have a choice. In your current circumstance and situation, you have a choice to believe that God loves you. You have a choice to believe that in the end, somewhere down the line, God is going to work it out. Or we wake up thinking there's no hope. There's despair. God, I better make my own way. And so we make decisions like that. I was reading a devotion on the very first day of the New Year's, uh, Daily Bread. I highly recommend it. Um, there's a, a Singapore branch as well. And it was talking about a guy who just got diagnosed. January 1st. And this is a verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Re rejoice in the Lord. Um, just got diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's disease. I mean, the news had just hit him. And 
he was just devastated and thinking about how his quality of life is going to deteriorate uh, and how long it would take before the physical symptoms and uh, uh, before you know, the things he's used to normally doing, he won't be able to do anymore. And his sister started getting really low, you know, really distraught, really, really depressed. And then he, you know, he had to go to the market. Uh, it's going to affect his, his, his relationship with his wife, with his kids, you know, future plans. Just devastated. And then he went to the market and as, as he was just pulling out a, a milk carton, right on the other side of the aisle, he heard giggling and laughing. And he looked over and he saw a father with a child in a wheelchair who seemed like, like not, not, not like a broken leg, but like a permanent disability. And they were laughing, they were giggling, the dad was saying jokes and the kid was like, like just tickled, you know, just laughing and it looked over, it's like, wow, like how can this, you know, dad and son have that sort of delight and joy? And um, he was just convicted, he was convicted um, that it's a choice, that you have a choice. You know, to look at your perspective. You know, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you, 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 you know, a broken relationship. Whatever it is. Maybe you're not doing well physically or emotionally. Or, but you still have a choice, even in that. To choose to believe that God loves you. To choose to believe that God can still make something good out of it. Right? And oftentimes it's when we don't have hope. When we don't look to Christ. And we start looking at the physical circumstance. We start losing sight. Where we, we fall into despair and things like that. And so we, we have a choice. And that's, that's how I kind of want to open up uh, Genesis chapter 3 this morning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, so that they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? Have you eaten from the tree? Right? Have you... Are you consuming that worldview, those thoughts, those values about yourself, about the world? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then God continues to go on and uh, lays out a curse over a uh, woman and a curse over man um, and this is the fall this is the the separation uh, God gave them a command they disobeyed it forever altered their relationship um, and then they're cast out of the garden because now according to scriptures Adam and Eve now have this 
ability to see both the good and the bad, right? Before they had this, you know, relational trust, this purity. The best way I can explain it, I'm sure there are maybe better ways to explain it. When I look at this, I can't help but see parallels as children. You know, as children, um, I mean, there are evil children for sure. I can, I can think of a couple. You know? <laughs> or, sorry, evil tendencies, I'll just say that. I, we're born into sin, right? We're, we're, no one has to teach a baby to grab or to, you know, from the moment you're three months, I've seen babies like grab stuff from each other and cry because there's this, this, this want, right? So, so um, all to say, but as a child, you know, you grow up with this sort of, this lens, right? This purity, right? There, there is a sense of purity. And, and, and I think for me, uh, what, what is the epitome of a child having purity or faith is just their utter trust in like their parents, you know, at a young age, you know, uh, three, four, five. They just, they carefree. They just know mom or dad's going to pick them up. Mom or dad's going to feed them. Uh, mom or dad's going to close them. You know, mom or dad's going to make sure they get enough rest, right? There's just this innocence, this purity. It's just, it's just, you just, it's just, you know, you just need food. You just need rest. You just need, you know, relationship. Um, and so this childlike faith that God often talks about in the New Testament, you have to have a childlike faith. What does it mean to have a childlike faith? To have absolute trust and belief that your father loves you and your father's going to provide for you. And, and a child doesn't think about, you know, where the next meal is going to come. A child doesn't think about, uh, uh, you know, the next job or the next promotion or, or you know, where is the, uh, the uh, end of the month, who's going to pay for the utility and, th and things like that, right? And, and God gives the example of the birds of the field and the flowers and how God takes care of them and dresses them. And so that's sort of just absolute faith and trust. It's like childlike faith. So, so Adam and Eve just have complete trust and faith in God. They just absolutely believe that God is for them. Okay, that, 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 that phrase right there is really important. They have absolute belief that God is for them, that, ever, that, that God has their best interests in mind, right? Before they eat from this fruit, every day before that, they just absolutely trust that God is for them, and God, without a doubt, has every of their best interests in mind for them. There's no questioning that, right? God's character, God's unconditional love, unquestioned, unrivaled, right? Amen? That's what it's like to have childlike faith. And then when they fall, when they sin and their separation, we'll get into that, and then I'll, I'll explain how that altered, how, how the fall altered their relationship with God. Okay, so the enemy comes, the devil comes, Satan comes in the, in the form of serpent. And um, do you guys remember uh, um, when Jesus was being tempted, you know? And, and if you look at it surface level, just a cursory read, you, you just think, the devil's just tempting Jesus with his hunger. Oh, you're hungry, so, you know, break a law or a code or something. You know, break your fast, ooh, you know, right? Turn this stone into bread or jump off. But, but really what Satan is going after is his identity, right? He's questioning Jesus. To, he, the, the serpent is coming to Jesus to make Jesus question whether or not God is for him, right? Are you really the son of God? Does God really care for you? Like, if you, if you think God really cared, wouldn't you? If you did this, don't you think God would do this? Right? Do you guys see that? He's trying to get in there as a wedge to, to, to plant a seed or a thought, just like he did with Adam and Eve, 
that might separate or make, make Jesus at the very least doubt, at the very least doubt, you know, intentions. And, and so, you know, are you really the son of God? Are you, are you really loved? Are, does God, is God really going to take care of you? And then Jesus doesn't even engage in those conversations. Jesus doesn't even dialogue. Jesus just quotes scripture. Surely, you know, do not test the Lord your God, right? Do you guys remember that? He doesn't even dialogue. He just quotes scripture. Get out, right? Done. Okay, the exact same tactic that came to Jesus, who's, who's, who's referred to in the scriptures as the second Adam, right? Uh, versus the first Adam. Why? Because the first Adam failed. And so where Adam failed and there was separation, the second Adam, Jesus, succeeded and brought reconciliation. You guys, you guys get that? So Jesus is the son of man, the son of God, but the scriptures also refers to him as the son of man, also as the second Adam. Where, Jesus, where Adam failed and Eve failed in the garden, Jesus succeeded, I like to think, in the garden of Gethsemane and then ultimately on the cross. Okay, so the second Adam. So, so look at his tactic, right? We know what Jesus did when he engaged and, and asked, the devil comes to you and puts thoughts so subtly in your head. And if you're not careful, without even thinking, you start dialoguing, you start entertaining, you start questioning. And the moment you start questioning, that's, that's when it gets... You're, the moment you start questioning God's character, you're already... That's not like my intellect, my free will. You're already on a slippery slope. You're already on a downgrade. You're, like if you're on a mountain and you're on a trail, right? And you want to stay on the trail, on the word, on the God and God's character. The moment you start questioning God's character, I want you to know you're already on the ledge. You're already... Like I went hiking in Yosemite one time. And uh, it was incredible. If you've ever gone to Yosemite, I love it. I take my wife there. She loves it too. Actually, she, she wants to go somewhere else. And um, she, she's like, Sam, can we go to Grand Canyon this year? So I'm actually looking at stuff in Grand Canyon. And there's this, in the, in the national anthem, in the U.S. national anthem, there's this, uh, or one of the songs that I grew up singing as a kid, uh, uh, Purple Mountains, Majesty. And I used to sing it as a kid. And I went to Yosemite, and right around 4 or 5, as the sun's going down, there's snow-capped mountains. And we had hiked about nine hours up, beautiful waterfalls. And uh, it was amazing. I sat down, and the mountains were literally purple. The hue of the sky and the clouds and whatnot, atmosphere. And it, was, it was amazing. Um, and so when you, you know, there's this term, you, know, you, you, you pack up, you got to pack out, right? What that means is you can't, if you take any trash up there, you can't leave it up there. You got to take it out with you. So you have to bring a separate bag. Whatever you do, all your business, food, cooking, you gotta, once you go, because there's no trash cans up there, there's no one who's gonna clean the trash, you obviously don't wanna make it, so you gotta pack out. Anyways, uh, uh, you know, a couple of us, we, we were in a group of about five, we went out hiking, and it's just beautiful, and you're just looking at the size, and obviously there's a trail, there's a camp, there's a fire area, there's a bear safe proof area, things like that. And you start walking, you're just, you're just, you're just looking around, it's beautiful, and I'm just looking, and next thing I know, I'm not even paying attention, I'm like on this ledge. Like it's, it's like a it's like a slow gradient, you know. Like you don't really you don't really notice. You're just you're just kind of walking and enjoying the view. Next thing I know, I'm like I I, I it registers it processes. I'm like two or three steps away, and if I slip, there's actually nothing I can hold on to and, and whatnot. And and I want you to know that you have to be very sharp. You have to be very sensitive. You have to be very attuned to the schemes of the enemy. The moment. He, like, you, you're, you're in a pack, 
You're, 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 you're in a circle, you're in a community. The moment you step out and you start questioning the character of God, I want you to know that you're already on that ledge and it's not much just to push you over. It's not much just even accidental thought or accidental subscription to something and, 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 and you slip and, and you start, you, you cast a certain light on God, right? If God is the center and God is for you, and the enemy comes and says, because of your difficult circumstances, he's not for you. I want you to know that it's not God that has changed or God that has moved or God that has gone distant. I want you to know that the moment you start doubting God, this is what's happening. This is, sorry, this is the light right here. Right? If this is God and you start having these doubts and, you, and because of circumstances and things are difficult and we've all gone through that. I, I've, I've gone through it. You've gone through it. I want you to know that God has never changed. That God is, there's no shifting shadows. He's never... What, what's actually happening is the moment we start questioning God, this is what happens. We're like, God, are you for me? God, I'm not sure if you're for me. God, you know, you weren't there. Next thing you know, there's a light that's, the, you know, the, 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 the shadow is cast. And all of a sudden, we question and we feel distant. God has always been there. But there's this light. There's this, you know, separation. And so the enemy comes and says, did God really say? Did God really? He's asking you to question God's judgment. He's asking you to question God's character. He's asking you to question God's intentions. Basically, chapter 3, verse 1, when the serpent enters the narrative and tempts Eve, he's basically saying God is not trustworthy. He's basically saying God is not good. Any problem or any like bitterness or anything you hold against God, whether you recognize it or not, sometimes it's in our subconscious, sometimes you don't even realize it. You are upset at God, but you don't know it. Because who can, you know, who can say they're upset at God, right? But you are. And, 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 it, and it comes out in different ways. It basically boils down to you don't, I don't, you don't, we don't. I feel like I can't trust God for this anymore. He's a he's a good God, and I'm so glad He saved me. But I, I don't know if he, you know if, if if He's good to me in this way. Does that make sense? He's trustworthy, but I don't know if He's always trustworthy to me. He's good, but I don't know if He's always good to me. He's He's good to me here, but He's not good to me here. Does that Does that make sense? That That's demonic, man. That is, if if you acknowledge that, that's satanic. That's demonic. The very job of Satan is to get you to question God's character, God's goodness. God's trustworthy. The very epitome of, of, of God saying, how can I get you? Okay, I give you free will. I created you. I love you. I know that. And, and then there's going to be separation. What, what can I possibly do so that, because I know you're human. I know you're brilliant. I know you're like us. What can I possibly do when you venture off and you question my love? What, what could I possibly do to ensure and to just guarantee that you would know, oh yeah, I, God does love me. And that's the cross. The cross is the final answer of God who created you for a relationship, who broke his relationship with the Father, Son, so that we would be brought back into relationship, that's the place we go. Every time we doubt, we look at the cross and say, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot, you know, my job sucks, this, you know, the relationship broke, my health is deteriorated. But I remember the cross. I remember my good father. I remember he came back for me and, I, and he made a way for me eternally. The tree of life. You have to eat from the tree of life. The enemy's tactics are very subtle. Yeah, are very subtle. Very subtle. It's, it, it seems like such an innocent question. 
but it's it's really it's 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 you know it's an attempt at questioning God's character. It's an attempt. Now 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 we can ask questions. Is God like this? You know what, what do the scriptures say? Oh, but but one scripture says this one. You know it, you know we we can explore. We can study. We can struggle. We can. No one's saying you can't ask questions. Ask questions. Ask a million questions. But at the end of the day, we must come back to this place where we can say that God is trustworthy in all aspects of life, even in the places where we don't understand why it's happening, especially in the places where we don't understand why it's happening. That's the places where we rely and go to the foot of the cross. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and then the woman says uh, to the serpent, um, we may eat from the tree. Uh, sorry, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And I just want to emphasize, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to try and wrap up. Um, I told Annie to stop me at 7.20. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Um, <laughs> um, I just want you to know the importance of scriptures. Okay? Um, you, you can't take it lightly. If, if to you, Christianity is just Jesus died on the cross and so I'm saved and, and that's the only part you like and focus on and that means you can do whatever you want. Um, how do I say? That, that's selfish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is, that, is it okay to say that? <laughs> that's one way. Is it okay for me to say that? That's one way. You get everything. Right? It's a two-way street. It's a relationship. Right? If you love God... Or if you love someone, you, you'll hear their words and, and, and you'll abide, right? Um, and so it's important that you know God's word because you can't know God's character if you don't know God's word, right? And then you have to ask Holy Spirit for revelation. So, so uh, spiritual maturity, oh, I want to wrap this up, you know, there's like so many things I want to say. Spiritual maturity, I've been saying it, is the ability to what? Some, someone, you know, if, if you've paid attention, you know, if you, if you love me, you've heard my words. <laughs> yeah, what's the sign of spiritual matur uh, maturity? Discernment. The ability to discern what is good and what is bad. Why does God send Adam and Eve out of the garden? Okay, there's three phases. One, absolute trust in God, as long as they don't eat from the fruit. Absolute trust in God's character. God will take care of it. I love God. He's going to, you know, even in the bad, even in the good, even in the worst. Okay, that's phase one. Then they eat of the fruit. Now the scripture says, now they know both good and evil. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I thought they wanted us to be like them. What's wrong with Adam and Eve now knowing good and evil? Right? The scripture says, now they know both good and evil. So therefore, before they eat from the tree of life, and it becomes a perpetual eternal state of being, let's cast them out. Why? Why? Knowing good and evil means nothing. Being able to discern what is good and what is not good is, is, is what makes God. What makes God God is not that he knows good and evil. What makes God God, and you should rest really good at night knowing this, is that God is able to discern between good and evil. And this is the million dollar question, and God chooses good. Have you ever thought, man, it's so good that God is good. But what if he wasn't? <laughs> what a terrifying thought, right? Right? What if he wasn't? Oh yeah, but he went to the cross and he died for me. He is good. See, the moment Adam and Eve 
choose to take matters and choose to take the driver's seat and choose to be the absolute authority on you know, moral truths. In that moment, they've lost their compass. In that moment, you know, how many of us know that something that, that we thought was good only end up, ended up later coming back to harm? How many of us know that something may feel good in the beginning, like, like, a, like a drug or something, right? may feel good, but ultimately it's destructive. It, it can destroy us. They lacked, Adam and Eve lacked the ability to discern between what was good and evil. I would like to think that over time God had a plan, right? And that they would have grown into maturity to discern and then, and then ventured out and the territories would have been a little bit more expanded and things like that. But they didn't wait. They took matters into their own hands. They did it before they were ready. I don't want to get too much into it, but that's the problem. That, if you want to know why they were cast out, because now they know both good and evil, but they don't have the ability to discern. And if they eat from the tree of life, now they're in this perpetual eternal state of, of hell, basically. Right? Can you imagine forever, eternally waking up and like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? The, the stress, the weight, the, the death, the sin. And so then God has to, you know, have a whole redemptive plan. And then ultimately the goal for us, Spirit, Holy Spirit in us as, as, as you know, descendants is we have the Spirit in us. So our goal as believers is to grow up into the person of Christ, the likeness of Christ. It's not enough. It is enough for your salvation to be saved, but that's not going to give you an abundant life. You must grow in Christ. You must take GIC, and then you must take <laughs> experiencing God, okay? And that's how you discern. You learn to discern. You learn to hear God's voice, okay? And with that, I'm going to wrap up. Let's have the worship come up. Spiritual maturity is the ability to discern between good and evil. The enemy's job is to come to you today and last year and over the years and make you doubt God's goodness, make you doubt God's care. That's why we, say, we sing these songs, God, you know, God is good all the time. What? No, he's not. I had a bad... No, no. Not, not your life is good all the time. God is good all the time. Even if your life goes down the tube, God is still good. Eternal life. Jesus on the cross. An eternal promise of his spirit in your life. God is good. Um, I'll get into tomorrow whose fault it was. <laughs> How about that? Okay, Adam or Eve? Let's, you know, million dollar question. <laughs> okay. But for now, let's, let's just uh, respond in thanksgiving and praise that God is good, that he sent Jesus, that he planned it, even before we were made, even before Adam and Eve, they knew when they gave us free will that there would be separation because God knows all things. He's not you know, held back by time and parameters like us. Um, they already knew that Jesus, the second Adam, would come, the Son of Man would come, representing you and me, where Adam failed. And where, as a result, we were separated. Jesus came and went to the cross without sin and in complete obedience. And that's why the scripture says, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that God is good, if you believe that your sins are forgiven, that we are sinners and that Jesus paid it all on the cross, then you are born again. You are a new creation. It's like God takes you and unveils and lets you realize 
for the first time in 30 years, for the first, or maybe you forgot, you know, I, I forgot. I, I grew up in the church 30 years and then I forgot. I completely forgot for two years and then God reminded me. So you, you could have been a believer for a long time and God might be calling you back right now and just reminding you and just unveiling and saying, no, you're my son. You're my daughter. Come home. That all I've ever wanted was for you to come back home and I've, and I've paid the ultimate price and I've paved the way. All I'm asking you to do is believe. The moment you believe that I am good, the moment you believe that I am trustworthy, you become a child again. It's like going back to this state of relationship. We're not talking about the garden and the chocolate rivers and the coconuts falling from the tree. We're talking about a relationship that is full of trust, a relationship that is full of love, a relationship that looks to the other and like, man, I just absolute in the utmost highest. We can have that, right? We were made for that. And so God is inviting you back to that. And you know what happens? What's beautiful is when that center, that relationship becomes primary and set, all your other relationships start to get healing and restoration as well, right? Because if God is the centered and you are centered, then everything else comes into alignment. That's the gift. That's what God is offering. And so let's respond in uh, worship. And uh, let's give God praise. Let's give Jesus praise.